All right, welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. This is Noah. And this is Jesse. All right, Jesse, so tonight we've got another fun episode here. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, we have a uh, a new Scotch we're going to be trying called Brunehaben. Uh, Brunehaben. 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 I'm going to just go to German here. Brunehaben. <laughs> no R, no R. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I like saying Brunehaben. All right. But no, it was Bunahaben, right? Bunahaben. Okay. Uh, and then the, our topic for this evening, our smart challenge was the 12 monkeys. Uh, really, we can go in any direction with that. There was no specific direction we we're pointing out for that. And uh, we have some, our shout outs and um, our restaurant. Oh, hang yeah. Noi. Everyone hang Noi tonight. Yeah. Everybody hang Noi tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Scotch review. All right, this evening, <laughs> Scotch, the Bunahaven 12 year Isla single malt Scotch whiskey. Uh, and uh, I, I have sampled this before, this uh, handsome canister. I actually think it's a very handsome bottle as well. And with that, um, and an Isla Scotch, it's not known to be as overbearing to some as other Isla Scotches. So one of 10 distilleries on that island on the, you know, off the coast of Scotland there. That's a lot of distilleries for one little yeah. island. <laughs> not to mention some of our favorites being amongst them, but um, great looking bottle and... Man, uh, Bunahaben first came out. Uh, well, first of all, I guess I better not forget 46.3% alcohol by volume, not for the meek, if you will. Uh, founded in 1881. Um, you know, one of the things about it, this little town where the distillery resides was actually founded so that the workers at the distillery had a place to stay. <laughs> that's pretty cool right i mean think about it if you worked for an employer i don't know any big business amazon will say just being one and you had free rent where you could walk to and from work it's a pretty good incentive i don't know because like during the industrial <laughs> industrial revolution they uh they used to have that and uh <laughs> they had uh, those corporate towns and stuff like that and uh, a lot of times uh, there are some um, challenges to at least our constitution and uh, the laws that they try to impose in those uh, I mean, company so towns. Yeah, I don't even know if there were laws in those company towns. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a there is a real famous uh, lawsuit that occurred that went to the Supreme Court having to do with um, freedom of speech in a town square. But you right. won't. Uh, I won't go. Delve into that. That's for a different, uh, yeah. smarter challenge. Yes. All right. Um, do you have anything you want to add to? Well, the only thing I found on the history there is that it is in, in Isla, as you mentioned. It is on the remote northeast coast side of it. It was founded in 1881. Um, it became one of the founding companies of the Highland Distillers in 1887. Uh, during the 1930s, they had a, there was a short period there where it did close down for a little bit. And then in 1929, that's when they came out, or sorry, 18, uh, sorry, 1979, that's when they came out with their 12-year classic. And then in 2003, 
the demand for um, single malt scotches had risen so much that um, they uh, the the company that owned uh, Boonhaven or Brunahaven, like I like to say, <laughs> even though it's totally incorrect, uh, they sold it to their current the, to the current uh, owners, which is um, uh, Burn Stewart Distillers. And basically now they're they're focusing on making like single malts. And also at one time, it was used uh, a, a lot in blending uh, for Cuddy Shark and the famous Grouse and Black Bottle. All right. So there you go. That that's some of the history I found out on it. All right. Well, let's uh, open this bad boy up. Yeah. Yeah. Let me hear you holla. <laughs> all right you know the the bottle that they use here it kind of reminds me of uh the stills the stuff just think of like a longer neck you uh, know i think if glam Morangi wouldn't do it right it would make a bottle like that with like a really long neck and have like a giraffe head as a stop <laughs> hey maybe they will send that into them uh, the nose off of this thing just from me pouring it. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. All right. So we will uh, give you our tasting notes here and um, cut. So, um, as I was tasting it, I do agree. It has a nice brassy color mm -hmm. to it, um, more on the lighter brassy. Um, not quite the same brass that we get um, from the Macallan Number no. Six uh, edition, but um, pretty much uh, more darker than mm -hmm. some of the other ones we've been trying. And or I can say you can say even more caramel looking or caramel looking. Yeah, but definitely more towards the uh, brassy side. Um, now, when I the aroma, mm. okay. So for me, when I first smelled it, just out of the um, out of the glass, I get like slight sweetness mm -hmm. uh, with some uh, inland coastal smells. So what I mean by that is that. Like when you're on the beach, you're like right there on the coast, and you get like that. You'll get like that really nice salty ocean uh, type air. But when I'm talking about inland, I'm talking about you're like maybe like 10, 15, 20 miles in inland, and you get the breeze off the ocean that you can smell. So as you like, you're like approaching the ocean or something, or, or, or approaching the beach, uh, that more inland sea smell. That's uh, that's the kind of like in, inland coastal type of uh, aroma I'm getting on it. However, when I heat it up in my hands, right, when I put a little bit in my hands and I rub it and I, and I smell it, uh, the, the, the aroma changes quite a bit. And honestly, I get much more of a floral slash herbal type of smell to it. And uh, as I mentioned to you, as we're um, offline tasting, um, I really get like a, uh, it reminds me of cologne, like men's cologne, like, uh, like one of the more floral type of men's clones uh that's what i get out of it like a dolce and gabbana yeah 
It even reminds me of Cool Water, like the old David off Cool Water a little Damn. bit. Kicking it back, man. That's like 30 years ago. I, I mean, I heard. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some people that wear it today. Not me. I don't wear, I haven't, I haven't worn cologne in a long time. But This is some cool water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, um, when it comes to the palette, it is, I like the balance on it. I think it's, uh, I'm not getting really big spikes anywhere in it from the front to the mid to the back palette. Um, and uh, overall, what I'm getting is the initial, uh, I get initial slight sweetness, which kind of kind of transitions a little bit into nuttiness, a little bit of the coastal flavor, uh, some malt, hints of malt, some sherry, and then kind of like on the finish is a little bit more of an herbal for me. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I was having a really hard time picking out what my what I'm picking up on the finish, but I'm thinking I'm leaning more towards like an herbal sense to it. Um, all in all, I think it's a great bottle. I like it a lot. The Bonahaven Bonahaven Twelve Ruminahaven. We've mentioned that it's one of the ten active distilleries on Iowa. And this is this is pretty bold. Forty six point three percent alcohol by volume. They you wouldn't do, notice it though. No, you, you don't. But I do feel warm. It's one of the scotches where I. It's not that I'm tasting the alcohol, but man, it feels warm and it feels good on a cold winter's night. Quite frankly, <laughs> um, definitely different than some of the other Isla scotches. Particularly, you know, one of my favorites, the. Lagavulin, but it is, I agree with you, great. The color I really enjoy, medium brassy, not not as rich brassy as I'm going to say the Macallan Edition 6, uh, but a nice dark gold, medium brass tone to it. Uh, the nose for me was very sweet and definitely some of that coastal salt. I do get that as well, uh, much like yourself. There's a hint of botanicals or, or herbals in there, but I can't place them exactly on the palate. Uh, one of the things I think is great is it's got some of those nutty flavors uh, that you want in your mouth. A little bit of fruit, and I almost feel like you take a really sweet orange and just take a little bit of that zest and that's kind of uh just the smell of it the taste is so powerful on a, on a fruit zest but just the smell of that almost like a burnt orange even uh sweet flavor kicks in there i also taste that little bit of sherry so one of the things about the Bonahaven 12 is they do mature it in three types of casks. So they use X sherry, um, X bourbon and X whiskey and the sherry cask. I think that's where in the middle of that, that palette is where that sherry casks flavor really comes out. And I enjoy it greatly. The finish for me, it's consistent. It's not overpowering. It's not overbearing. It's not mild. It's, it's still a good, bold scotch, but it's sherried from the casks. You definitely get the sherry on it. I, just, I like the way it finishes. It, it 
fades it does not fi- fade quietly into the good night <laughs> um, it it fades very well and i love the salty tang at the end i love the salty tang and that's about all i can say about it right now i'm enjoying it so much yeah it's a great bottle so far good choice sir thank you It's time for our shout-outs. My shout-outs are going to my kiddos this week. Um, Hey, guys. Mila, awesome job. You went and sought other employment, and you got it. I'm looking forward to hearing some great stories. Um, I won't mention any names of employers just yet, or maybe never, uh, but some great benefits to go along with that. And that's a big deal when a 17-year-old person understands the value of benefits. I think uh, that's a generation probably, it's an entire generation, that's going to be speaking very loudly to employers in the future. And as so many employers have reduced benefits, they're going to have to make some other changes. Um, really proud of her. And then Aiden, oh man, guy, your magic on the court last two games, you and your team have succeeded in one um, great job. And I don't know what else to say besides for the two of you, I'm proud of you. And man, I love to watch you grow up. I love to watch you guys mature and take control of your own lives. And I love that. Awesome. Well, that's good. So she got that job you're telling me about? Yep. Good for her. Yeah. That's awesome. Just had orientation. Oh, cool. That's where she disappeared to for just a short period this past weekend. <laughs> ah, nice. And then you and then Aiden, he uh he's had a couple more games. Yeah, dude. He's is he like racking up the points? Oh man, he's killing it. He is nice. <laughs> Congrats, uh, Aiden. Like, like definitely a shout out for you. This last game he had eight points in the last two minutes of the game. Oh, really? <laughs> Nice. What position does he play? Uh, he usually plays point guard. Point guard. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He, he's the guy with the ball in the hand. Man, 15 years old and he's as tall as me. And I'm not <laughs> short per se, but man, I. You're not a munchkin like me. I like I'm on the Danny DeVito side. <laughs> Whatever. We should do that movie <laughs> Twins. That'll be a future Smarter <laughs> Challenge Twins. Actually, I think I'm taller than Danny DeVito. I think you are too. But <laughs> and you've got hair. <laughs> and I got hair. I'm not crawling naked out of a out of a leather couch. Oh my goodness! Thank God, <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares later. Shoot. That was part of the uh, Christmas show on uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Yeah, I remember, dude. I don't remember a whole lot from that series because I didn't watch the entire series. I remember that. <laughs> 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 they had some funny all sweaty and nasty and she's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> there are some great episodes from it's all you study in philadelphia mm-hmm. uh one of my favorites is dumpster baby dumpster baby where they go find a baby in the dumpster and then they try to go take it like <laughs> to utilize the baby for like advertisements and uh, the guy's like, we don't need, we, like we don't want white babies, so they go try to do like a, a tanning bed <laughs> to make the baby. Black. <laughs> I'll just stop there. Yeah, I was gonna say this doesn't go anywhere good for this show. <laughs> uh, anyways, and shout outs. <laughs> I will say this: so the the idea of uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia and talking about Danny DeVito and all that. It does kind of correlate with our topic coming up here on the 12 monkeys because it takes place in Philadelphia as well. 
Uh, so I'm not like too far off topic, even though I went off topic. Uh, as far as my shout outs go, I have three of them. All right. So um, as someone pointed out to me, <clears throat> I used to wear uh, a lot of a lot, a lot of baseball caps. I haven't really been wearing any baseball caps lately. Uh, but one of the places where I do get baseball caps from is called uh, Printed Kicks. And um, good name. One of their hats I, I wear out uh, out and about is uh, the one that says FJB on there. And I've been getting a lot of compliments, <laughs> so I just <laughs> so I just want to say uh, give a shout out to them. Uh, another one is Hot Works Yoga. Um, their staff there here in uh, Parker off of Stroh Boulevard or Stroh Stro Road. Stroh Road. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they they have a phenomenal staff out there. They're really cool, really super nice, sweet ladies. I I think they're I think the whole staff is is women, but I could be wrong. I only met some of them. Uh, anyways, uh, if he'll you, make his way around <laughs> each and every one of you. Don't worry, give him a day. Anyways, <laughs> uh, the uh, these if you like yoga or especially if you like hot yoga, it's a really great place to go, especially like in this time frame now that we live in, uh, because they have like basically like eight different rooms, and they're all like little tiny like sauna rooms that uh, get up to 125 degrees, and. Uh, Right now they're like allowing two people per room, but you can, it's open 24 hours. So really pretty much you have like a whole room to yourself. You can pretty much schedule it anytime. Uh, the sessions are about like 30 minutes long and uh, I think it's really awesome. So I want to give them a shout out. And the last one I want to give a shout out to is right to print. Um, they are the, uh, merchandisers for, and we know, um, which is a, uh, he's another podcaster. And uh, I had ordered a uh, a Christmas gift uh, from there uh, from the uh, merchandise people and uh, Angie uh, from Right to, uh, Right to Print. She uh, contacted me right away uh, because I had screwed up and I forgot to change. Uh, I forgot to pick the right uh, shipping. I needed like the two day shipping, and I chose regular shipping. So she got back to me right away and. We have to work things out, so I just want to give uh, a shout out to them as well. That's awesome. Yeah, so those are my three shout outs. It's time for our shout outs. So we went to. Uh, Everybody Wang Chung tonight. I mean, uh, Hung, uh, Chung, Chung, Chung Noi. Chung Noi. Everyone Chung Noi tonight. Chung Noi. So, so Chung Noi. Chung Noi. I don't know how many times I say Chung Noi. Chung like, Noi. <laughs> Chung Noi. Chung Noi. It's a Thai restaurant. kind of like, what's up? Chung Noi. <laughs> Chung Noi. Chung Noi. <laughs> Chung Noi. Chung Noi. <laughs> Sorry. If anyone's watching this from Chung Noi, I'm sure they're like, Chung Noi? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're like, F those guys. <laughs> Honestly, I, Chung I, Noi. When, I, when I first went by the restaurant, and actually I've been to the restaurant, this is my third time there. Every time I thought the name was Hung Noi, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize the C was an actual C. You thought it was a very special Asian that was well hung. <laughs> Hung no. Noi? Where are you going, Hung Noi? <laughs> no, I did not think that. And I don't swing that way. <laughs> and 
uh, <laughs> but the way the C is, hey, you saw it too. Like, yeah, I mean, no, I agree. The C, the way they have the C designed, it really doesn't look like it's a C. It just looks like it's a, an like it's their logo with like a like an elephant in it. But when you start looking at it, you actually do see a C in there, and it's actually designed like like the Colorado flag with the C. But it's kind of like you have to kind of really look at it though, because it wasn't it's easy. It's a good to pick thing up. on the way out. You saw their sign that expressed their password. We won't give it away, but part of that password <laughs> was the name. Yeah, and he just stopped, and I'm laughing because I got the text. We'll meet. Let's meet. Let's have dinner at Hung Noi. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, it's by the Greek place. I'm like, cool. I don't even have to look for it up. <laughs> look for it on the internet, which is a good thing because I would have looked up the wrong place. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you see the sign, what did no, you think? No, I thought the same exact thing. I was laughing. It was absolutely true. Anyways, <laughs> the, the the food itself. I thought uh, I got the um, the Penang curry uh, with chicken, which is like my favorite uh, Thai dish anyways. And I thought it turned out really well. It had a really great flavor to it. Um, uh, the one thing I don't really like in, in their version of the Penang is like the little long... Uh, mini corns or whatever. Not that I don't. I, I like the way they taste and all that stuff, but it, I just don't really like it in my in my penang as much. Um, but I thought it tasted really well. I, I like think it has great flavor. Uh, I think the ambiance inside the restaurant. I think they it's really well done. And I'm not sure if it's um, if it is uh, like post COVID type of thing or. That they're kind of like sort of new, but it doesn't seem like it's as busy as it could be. And because uh, I think inside it looks really nice, mm -hmm. and I think it has a whole lot of potential there. The food I think is great. I've had three different dishes there now. Um, every dish I've had, I thought it had a pretty good flavor. The appetizer that we got uh, had some pretty good, um, pretty good flavor to it. And um, so overall, I would say it's a. A good place. I would, you know, I would give it about uh, a seven point five to an eight, and be very confident. I think the wait staff, they're pretty attentive. The one thing I didn't, uh, the one thing I did notice about them though was that um, they. Uh, I'm not sure if it has to do with the cook or maybe they don't have enough big uh, cooking staff back there, but our food didn't come out at the same time. It's true, and that would be the one thing I would recommend uh, for them to fix. But other than that, I give it like a pretty solid eight. And do I think you could take a first date there? I think it's possible. Um, I don't think you're going to like super impress them. But if they are a person that likes Thai food, I think you can get away doing a first date there. Um, and then, you know, maybe like three or four dates down the line, it's definitely a safe bet. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's my opinion. All right, you know, now, you know, been on this planet for like 21 years and finally ventured to <laughs> intentionally eat Thai food. Um, so I had the drunken noodles with beef and shrimp. It was good. Uh, the vegetables within the dish, the, the noodles were good. Uh, the vegetables were fresh. Uh, I did enjoy the flavor. It was very good. For me, uh, the appetizer was okay, but there were a few things. I, I prefer more of a Chinese-flavored crab cheese wonton. I want some real fried calamari. <laughs> that, 
I want some real fried calamari. <laughs> it's a drunken. <laughs> some real fried calamari. Um, but the, but none of it was bad. It it just wasn't my preference in, in many ways. Uh, but the drunken noodles were fun. Um, they had some great flavor in there. The shrimp was really good. Um, so I enjoyed my dish. For me, I, I thought the decor was an absolute win. I loved the inside. I would say because of that, for me, first date worthy, absolutely. They did have a very small beer and wine selection but they did have beer and wine so if you enjoy a stella or a, a coors um a, a sapiro or even some kendall jackson cab they've got a few of those things on their menu so i enjoyed um the the atmosphere very much lots of plants in planters some of them elephants elephants everywhere loved that and uh, much like the service for me was about the same, uh, not the greatest. I think that was their one real opportunity. Not, you know, part of it could be an ethnic barrier as well, but they didn't seem as happy. They didn't seem like they wanted to be 100% as when we went to the Korean barbecue place a week ago, or even, uh, you know, the, the chicken shack a week before that. But it wasn't bad. So for me, the atmosphere was an eight. I, I actually thought that was great. It was it, it welcoming, enjoyable. The food. Um, now, again, we're comparing this to all likes. Uh, the food was pretty good. My dish was $17 for the drunken noodles. Uh, fair price. And I would also give, eh, I want to give the, the food a seven um, just because Maybe the Thai isn't my thing. I would I would choose a Cherry Village or a great Chinese dish currently over this one. Um, and that's my preference. I don't have a Thai comparison, so keep that in mind. You may not want to use me as your best judge for this restaurant. Um, the service was a seven and first date worthy again yeah i'm gonna say yeah it was fun if especially if you like thai food um i did have a taste of your dish and i i kind of wish i'd gone that way because that way my dish would would have been rated much higher that was delicious quite frankly um you did not go wrong yeah overall i want to agree with you right around that seven point range for total experience and I would go back. I again, I would take a first date there, a friend there. It was fun. I think in order to get up to the eight level, they just needed to clean up a couple things, like clean up mm -hmm. like the uh, the service, um, maybe get the food out at the same time. But I think other than that, like they're not like they're not far off from being an eight. And honestly, for like the type of restaurant it, it is. An eight is like a pretty high score for it. Oh, right? absolutely. Or even a seven is a uh, it, it, Like one of the reasons I say it's date worthy is because it was clean. It was welcoming. I actually loved the inside. The smarter challenge for this week is the 12 monkeys. Do you want to open, or would you like me I'll to tell open? You what, I'll go ahead and open. Okay, you got notes. You got like you got a bunch of notes. You I, typed out stuff. I yeah, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> like how many pages you got? You got pages. I got duplicates. 
Oh, you got duplicates. Yeah, okay. if, if you want to follow along, I made you a coffee here. So, oh, nice. So, so, so we're like what, actually in a meeting. Now. So, like one thing about Twelve Monkeys, you got to realize this is not a brand new movie. It was a nineteen and is a nineteen ninety five American science fiction film directed by Terry Gillum. And um, it was inspired by Chris Marker's 1962 short film, La Jetée, or Jetty. Ah, my French is about as good as my tie. <laughs> so the movie does star Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, Brad Pitt, um, with backup support roles by Christopher Plummer and David Morse. Universal Studios acquired the rights to remake La Jetée um, as a full-length film and hired David and Janet Peoples to write the script. We'll come back to that because that's actually kind of a big deal. Um, if you don't know why, you're going to love it. Okay. Uh, um, Terry... Gilliam. So Terry Gilliam, the director, born November 22nd, 1940. The guy's 81 years old now. That's awesome. Uh, met his wife and married her in 1973. So the guy's been married a lot longer than I've been alive and on this planet. And that is very impressive to me. Congratulations. Um, he was a former member of the Monty Python comedy trope. I did not know that. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? <laughs> um, he became a feature film director in the 70s. Um, most of, of his films explore a couple of key points and a key uh, facts here. Um, one of the big things to him is imagination. So people's imagination and the importance it has on our lives. Um, opposition to bureaucracy and anti-authoritarianism, which... You see some of these things absolutely in 12 Monkeys and some of his other films get ready for, man. It's super exciting. Uh, feature characters face dark or paranoid situations, very common. Black comedy and tragic comedy elements, and he loves his surprise endings. So some of uh, the other movies he directed. I love this first one, you're going to say. Time Bandits. <laughs> Right? I know. Wait, dude, it even gets better. You're going to love this whole this whole piece. So Time Bandits, uh, that 1981 feature film, 1985, Brazil. In 1988, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. 91, The Fisher King. Uh, 95, the movie we are talking about tonight, 12 Monkeys. 898, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. 2005, The Brothers Grimm and Tideland. Um, and then the last real big film he did was in 2009 the imaginarium of dr parnassus okay there's some really interesting really interesting stuff here to point out oh i know we'll come back to all this that's why you got your coffee so you don't lose it you're not okay. gonna lose it okay um okay. We'll, we'll take a sidestep here so this is interesting la jete uh, and again i think it's actually jeti um so whichever it is, it's a 1962 French science fiction featurette directed by Chris Marker. Um, it was constructed almost entirely from still photos, and not just still photos, but black and white still photos. It's a story of a post-nuclear war experiment in time travel. Um, 28 minutes long, shot in black and white. The plot, 
A man, Davis Hanish, is a prisoner in the aftermath of World War III in post-apocalyptic Paris. Um, the survivors all live underground. In this, pay, in this particular film, it's in a gallery underground. Um, there's scientists researching time travel. And the purpose of this is to hope to send subjects both to the past and to the future to be like, hey, we need help. Like, who can help us? Can we change our future by going to the past? Or is there some way to fix it? from the future. Um, the problem is there's a huge difficulty in finding subjects that can go and do time travel. They just mentally can't handle it, the shock of the time travel. And there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, but they ultimately settle upon a protagonist whose key to the past is a vague but classic memory he has. Now, this is very interesting because this memory he has is as a boy and he sees a man and what he sees is the man get killed and die in front of him. Um, so he goes to the future, uh, long story shorter, it's not really a long story, it's a featurette, but he goes to the future, uh, finds some people who give him a power unit that is sufficient to help bring uh, his world back to a livable world, his time back to a livable time. Upon, upon the successful completion, the prisoners intend to kill him. So the people who he was imprisoned by originally are out to assassinate him. So um, he is contacted by the future and they're like, hey man, we can save you. Uh, let's bring you to the future and get you away from these guys because we see what's going to happen because we're in the future. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I want. I want to go back to the past. I need to find this lady from my childhood memory. So he goes back to the past. Um, he sees the lady, instantly spots her. Like It's, it's perfect. It's like a photograph. Weird. And then when he spots her, he also spots one of the uh, basically assassins from the prison. And the last thing he realizes and knows as he's falling and, and is facing death and dies is when he falls, he realizes the little boy that was right there with the lady in front of him um was him and his memory is literally watching him as his older self die get killed it's pretty interesting now we're taking a sidestep in the other direction this is the last one then we'll start to get into some of the fun stuff david wed peoples um, was the american screenwriter who universal studios selected to rewrite the movie the short story the short featurette to 12 monkeys he's an american screenwriter born february 9th 1940 notable works just these just a few of them but a, a couple of the key ones 1982 blade runner that is an incredible movie that's that there's been lots of like uh deep dives into that movie and that probably should be like a smart challenge one of these times right so you know what the next one that's on this list is i barely saw the list when you took it from me so i, I think, think i lost the page here oh you know what i do have mine right here uh the second one 1992 unforgiven that's in a great movie that like, I feel as, like we've talked about that recently <laughs> yeah i believe we did talk about that as being one of our favorite westerns yeah and then most recently so 12 monkeys but um so uh, a litany of great art here and i'm going to call it exactly that from 1982 to 1992 1995 12 monkeys uh but david webb peoples the screenwriter who has done these also works and does some science fiction with his wife but 
this is amazing because it's not just one great movie, it's multiple. So I feel like there's a lot of talent Honestly, in this yeah, whole piece. Yeah, I agree. Blade Runner <laughs> is really well acclaimed as a, as a movie. It's yeah. basically a sci-fi movie. Um, a lot of like um, uh, movie, uh, or I should say like college classes that uh, that analyze movies, they'll, they'll use Blade Runner. Um, Unforgiven, we talked about that. That won like tons of awards. <laughs> um, and 12 Monkeys, uh, the movie we were talking about tonight. That's incredible. What I wanted to point out here is from the director, Terry. Yes, Kill. yes. Um, and uh, this is just, I'm, I'm not really going to dive too far into this, but Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. If you're paying attention, <laughs> right? you've seen the movie, they're talking about the drug Adrenochrome. And if you've been paying attention to what's been supposedly going on in the world today, uh, um, there the drug adrenochrome supposedly. Okay, I'm not I, like I'm not sure how much this is gonna get us into trouble or not, and I'm not sure how far I should venture into this. Not too far, man. <laughs> Just far enough. <laughs> um, but don't go too deep. She won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, there's a. As we as we are learning, there's a big, huge like uh, human trafficking, uh, pedophilia type of thing going on right now, currently, and the the way uh, supposedly a certain type of adrenochrome is harvested has to do uh, with uh, children and their disappearances and their death. Um. And uh, I do talk about this like in one of my very like the like that individual podcast I did, which I kind of put on pause. Uh, and it, it's it's really prevalent in the TV series um, True Detective, the first season. And um, so that's very uh, very interesting that he did that about uh, Adrenochrome uh, with Fear and Loathing. And it's about that uh, I forget what who, who's the uh, the movie's about a certain author, right? Um, I forget the name of the author. Anyways, not a big deal at this moment. The other one, Adventures of Baron Mount, uh, Munchauser, that is a like a uh, watered-down Amer American version of the Nazi propaganda of the uh, Baron Munchauser, which goes around promoting air, uh, how great the Aryan race is, among other like cultures. Very interesting that one would uh, do a remake of that movie and also talk about Adrenochrome. And being that he uh, uh, he likes to look at um, opposition to bureaucracy and anti-authoritarianism, because if you look at the Twelve Monkeys, that's kind of like what they were going against the the actual group, which uh, we could talk about is uh, Brad Pitt. So, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm not sure exactly where I want to start at with this now that you kind of threw this curveball. <laughs> I figured you'd like that. <laughs> yeah, I do. I think it's great. Um, so what I would like to, I guess what I'll bring up here first is like, I think we have, uh, when you look at Bruce Willis, who is the protagonist of this movie, and then you have um, one of the main side characters or supporting cast, which is um, Brad Pitt. Uh, I think they both give excellent performances in this movie. And they really like, uh, with Brad Pitt, when you take a look at that film in Fight Club, 
I think he 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 does a really good job of doing a crazy person. I mean, do you, do you remember like how he was acting in like the uh, the insane asylum here? In I, I do, Monkeys? I do, and I I think he I think you're absolutely right. I uh, looking into his life, some pieces that he's shared in interviews and such. One of the things you learn about him is he probably did it very well because he probably was on the verge of a breakdown uh, more than one occasion on his life. And he's spoken about how when he did Fight Club, he went from being a starter, not even Fight Club, um, but a, a couple of movies from Fight Club was the one that just like took him off the charts and then not doing a movie for a little while for years. And it's like, well, nobody wants to be this one hit wonder. And um, so he dealt, he's dealt with some serious uh, emotional and psychological plights like many of us. And uh, so I imagine he played it very well because he's just like, man, I'm going to just take what I've experienced to the next <laughs> level. I mean, he plays a gypsy, um, you know, very well in another one of his roles. Oh, yeah. He does, yeah, yeah. He does a good job there, too. Yeah. And supposedly, I'm not sure how true this is, like if you go down the rabbit hole, but apparently, <laughs> apparently he is a Freemason. I absolutely believe that. And all I got to say is, man, like there's a crazy hot scale, right? He married some of the crazy hot ladies on this planet. And the most recent one being Angelina Jolie. What do you expect? He's probably <laughs> equally crazy. <laughs> so in any case, um, yeah. So if you know anything about the Freemasons and what they stand for, or at least the, like the 33rd degree or whatever, uh, going down that rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, um, it kind of makes sense. Uh, but in any case, uh, his character, um, I forget what his character's name is in this movie. But his dad happens to be a head of a uh, um, a research facility where he is an anti-virologist or a virologist. Viro and so um, the, uh, the so-called deadly virus that is being exposed uh, that causes uh, or kills like billions of people over 5 billion people and drives the human race underground is created in a laboratory that his dad uh, is the head person of and um, talking about uh, time travel here I do think they do alter uh, the future uh, because Bruce Willis uh, when he's in the uh, insane asylum with Brad Pitt his uh, main love interest, I guess, or the female, which is, uh, who, what was her name? Um, you had it in here somewhere. Uh, Madeline Stowe. Madeline Stowe. Um, she finally believes him about that he is from the future. And when she starts believing him and she can't find him anymore because he had gone, he had gone to the future and they are gone to the past to see there. Right. Cause like, First time he goes to the, it goes into the past. He winds up in the insane asylum because no one believes him. They all think he's freaking crazy. Then he goes back to the future, uh, and they give him a pardon because I mean, was it that time they give him a pardon? I don't think they give him a pardon that time. I don't remember exactly what happens. Uh, but in any case, he goes back to the future, and then they send him back out again. And uh, the second time around. He sees her at the uh, at some kind of a museum, 
doing some, uh, she's doing some kind of uh, uh, talk about how um, in the past there have been people who prophesize about a virus that goes around wiping out the whole uh, human race. And um, so they, uh, he kidnaps her basically and then finds out that Brad Pitt is uh, out of the asylum and now uh, at his dad's house running a thing and, and head of the 12 monkeys and goes to the goes to Brad Pitt's father's mansion where there's a big party going on and uh, she finally convinces him that he's crazy so he starts jumping around in a puddle and disappears after that she starts looking at the information because the the uh, a police officer says you know that bullet that you pulled out of his leg it was a it's an antique it comes from like 19 whatever from 1919 or whatever from the world war one and one of the pictures that she uses in the book that she used on her talk shows jose which is one of the prisoners uh where uh bruce willis was a prisoner uh who was shot and also and she sees a picture of him reaching out to jose because they're both saying like they need you know need to find the uh, pure strain or whatever and then she starts believing in him and then she starts calling up people uh, trying to explain the whole thing, and then she gets a hold of Brad Pitt's dad, and so Brad's Pitt, so Brad Pitt's dad takes himself out of the whole security chain, so that way Brad Pitt and the twelve monkeys can't break into the uh, to the lab to release the uh, the virus. So that changes the history or changes the pathway, and then that means like the assistant. Uh, virologist uh, that works in the lab he's the guy who goes out and releases a virus so um like you mentioned in the uh the featurette bruce willis as a kid does see himself dying in the future at an airport in an airport uh so i do think there's a lot of things kind of going on here um we've got time travel that's going back and forth how that messes with a person's mind uh, can you change the future by going into the past? And I think when we talk about this, there's like there's these photos where people talk about how there's uh, people from the future that are actually in these like old black and white photos, and people are unsure if they were actually photoshopped in or if they're reality. And then we got the whole virus thing that we can definitely di uh, dive into. So where would you like to go from here? Uh, the first thing I want to go into is the whole piece about time travel. Okay. And so, yes, absolutely. If time travel occurs, then it will change time. It will change history. There's no way around it, honestly, uh, with one photo take this modern time we live in right now you send somebody uh, from the past or the future to new york or a big city los angeles maybe denver who knows uh, you get someone dressed like a, a fruit loop or a 12th monkey and uh, <laughs> people are going to take pictures and all of a sudden these pictures end up somewhere it's not just uh it's impossible to not create a ripple or a wave by time traveling, uh, particularly when your intention is to change something uh, about the past or the future. Yeah, I would, I, I would guess I would agree. I, I mean, that's where the whole butterfly effect would kind of sort of come into play. 
Um, so do you think even like if you were to go time travel and you're just showing there showing up as an observer and it's innocent observer, you think that's causing some kind of ripple effect? Um, it will. And it, it does. And I think when you think about 12 monkeys at the end, Bruce Willis was doomed. He was going to perish one way or another. Um, there's a, you know, on the airplane, there's the box, the, the backup plan. Um, part of the reason for that is because if you send someone back to change the future from the past, so in other words, to create a ripple and change what's going on right now, you also most likely have to terminate them. Otherwise, they know what you did. And it's not so much a matter of one piece or another but they were in the past and they knew what happened and that means their new present self already knows uh, just like watching himself die uh so yeah he was always going to be doomed uh, because they had to they had to get rid of him or he would change it again unintentionally possibly possibly so okay bigger thing comes up here is a virus and I think we've been hearing, you hear this a lot as far as like uh, in in TV shows, uh, even in education, um, uh, TED Talks, but they all talk about the earth and its population and how we need to uh, depopulate the earth. And the main, uh, the main person, or I guess the main bad guy, you will, the, yeah, the antagonist in this case, which is the lab assistant. He talks about how the earth would be better if we depopulated it, which is why he's, he talks about uh, at uh, the book signing how he should kill people. And he talks about virus being that and saying like how that would be just. One could make some correlations what's happening today. Oh, yeah, that would be very easy. Uh, let's take a, a different stance, though, and let's just okay. realize, hey, you guys are viewers. People are out there. Uh, you have to understand and believe that governments, any world superpower in particular, and there's only a handful of them, but even the non-world superpowers are absolutely doing what they can technologically to create uh, potential non-world-ending war threats. One would be a virus or some other sort of biological warfare. Um, anyone, I, I please don't be ignorant and just realize that every one of the superpowers, if not all currently, at some point has and will continue to uh, look into this as a true potential in case there was a a threat of a World War III. Uh, it can't go nuclear. That's a world ender. That would end everyone's life for at least 20 years or everyone would be living underground. Hence uh, the, the short featurette in the movie, everyone's living underground because of the nuclear fallout. Uh, but with that, also realize that there are so many other ways. Um, you know, you talk about the protagonist, and it's interesting to me because so many of these 
very wealthy people out there talking about how we need to depopulate the world. Uh, then there's the handful that says complete opposite, which is actually uh, science uh, and, and particularly math, like Elon Musk, who's like, yeah, you guys need to realize that we're getting older and the young aren't being born as quickly and we're going to be in trouble, uh, not just from a social security standpoint, but because as the population ages out, if there aren't enough young abled bodies to do whatever needs to be done we run into situations no different than today uh, staffing problems in restaurants staffing problems in retail staffing problems particularly at the government level right now uh, why wouldn't anyone want to work for the government I don't know. You should trust them, right? <laughs> um, there are lots of different things. Uh, but with that, the virus, going back to the virus, uh, yeah, it's totally possible. And uh, I do believe even the Biden administration, who at one point in time fought uh, where our current COVID virus came from, is now fully in agreement as to where it came from and how it was released. Yeah, it's funny how um, back when uh, we had a, a, pre a previous president, a previous president, <laughs> um, how when people say that uh, the virus came from a certain place in a certain area, China. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's okay to say now because Biden said it, so it's okay. Uh, okay, <laughs> um, that it, you you would get blocked uh, okay. on social media. You would. Uh, um, you would get banned. Um, I don't know how many days in Facebook jail I've been in. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's accepted because I guess the Biden administration said, yes, there's that probability now or that or it did come from there. And I think it's really interesting, though, because, like, like, Terry Gillum, he talks about uh, opposition to bureau bureaucracy and uh in government right or uh, anti-authoritarianism right. and um if you really look at it corporations um look look how strong corporations have become they have, have they not also become the bureaucracy of the world are they now currently saying like what you can or cannot say on uh, social media without uh, looking at our constitutional rights um of uh freedom of speech and those sorts of things. And, and, uh, who, who, if you start looking at like, I guess China, right. They have what's now called, uh, the, uh, social scoring. It's now, sorry, it's now starting to be implemented in, um, Australia and in other places. And basically like, if you say things that, that go against from, go against, um, uh, the, um, big pharma, uh, the medical and in uh, industrial complex, uh, the governments and stuff like that, your social score goes down. And when your social score goes down, then you can no longer go out shopping. You can't travel. You can't do anything. And basically you become a uh, segregated person, a uh, second class person who's not allowed to, to even leave their house. And uh, so that if you really think about it, it, look at some of the implementations that are going on today due to the virus, right? I mean, even if you look in the uh, in the movie Twelve Monkeys, uh, the time frame which Bruce Willis comes from, where they all live underground, uh, look at how uh, is it dystopic? Is it, or no um, dystopia? Yeah, look look how like look how like uh, look how the uh, I guess the 
governmental structure is there, right? It's a medical, the, the board he goes in front of are all scientists. It's a medical board. Um, what are we kind of like sitting in right now? Like who, who who's kind of like directing governments and stuff right now? Is that not like a medical board with Fauci? Oh, dude, Fauci, like, I, I can't even believe people are still listening to this guy after everything that he did, and then he was discredited, and now he's been recredited, and people are listening to him again. <laughs> I, was, well, I mean, you got, I just can't. I can't. So you got, like, Fauci, you have the, uh, <laughs> the World Health Organization, you have the CDC, right? Are these not the same kind of, like, so-called scientists or medical board that Bruce Willis really sets up in front of uh, to determine whether or not he should, you know, go back to the future or go back to the past to help them find the breakout of the virus. And if you look at it, like like all the people you see are in prison, uh, they don't really say like what he did was like, they just said he was violent, but it seems like he's just looking for freedom. Freedom. And um, freedom. And if you really look at like the, like all you see is basically the medical board and which are the ruling people there. And the uh, and the uh, police, and I think what you're starting to see here, especially when you start looking at places like uh, Germany right now, right? Uh, if you don't have a vaccine uh, passport uh, or you haven't had the vaccine yet, they are separating people who can go shopping and who can't go shopping. Uh, so they've already segregated them. Canada, uh, I just saw a video today from Canada. Oh, yeah, those guys are feeling sorry for themselves. <laughs> All the people who voted in our uh, current president were the ones who were going to move there when the last president was elected. Well, that's what they said, but I don't think many yeah, of them did. None of them did. I didn't see one person But in it. any case, uh, <laughs> in Canada, I saw a video today where a guy who went to go shopping, uh, go buy groceries, uh, the grocery store wouldn't allow him in. They said that he couldn't purchase groceries. Because uh, he refused to get uh, a vaccine shot. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, I think you can see a whole lot of correlations going on here. Um, because they're talking about how this is a pandemic. Um, how COVID, or I guess now we're on Omicron, uh, is so deadly and stuff like that. Um, and if we were in a true pandemic, that could wipe out the whole, the whole world. Uh, you could be looking at a scenario similar to the 12 monkeys for sure one thing i'm still not sure about though is why we have told people not to abuse antibiotics per se but we haven't realized maybe we shouldn't be abusing vaccines because every time we come up with a vaccine this virus is mutating to something stronger hmm, i don't know it seems like maybe we should uh, <laughs> rethink this and I well, and I think where we can also draw some uh, some parallel um, factors here between twelve monkeys and what what we're seeing in today's time is too like you you know you have the uh, the main antagonist who wants to depopulate the earth, and then if you look at somebody like uh, Bill Gates, right? To the you know, he, Bill Gates, uh, he's a uh, computer a computer guy. Yeah, and you have a a virologist guy, right? Any case, when you look at both of them, they both talk about depopulating the earth. You know, uh, Bill Gates has a real famous TED talk where he says like um, one of the biggest problems uh, is is the CO two in the air. So how do we control that? And he he has this whole mathematical figure he puts up on on the backs on the on the big screen behind him as he's doing his TED talk. 
And he says one of the ways is to control population. And he goes, the way we can control population is through vaccines and well care uh, and well managed health care. Um, I don't know. And if you look at uh, he's right now, he uh, is uh, an investor in a lot of the uh, vaccines that are out there. And he's been buying up farmland and stuff like that. It's just kind of curious, you know. And I, I know we used the uh, 12 monkeys into a segue of this, but I think there's a lot of, I think you can pull a lot of things from the movie into real life. So I, I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Anything? I mean, yeah, very few things are actually creative. Uh, <laughs> uh, most things are just observations rewritten. Well, how, how about this as a question? Do you think governments use television and movies to propaganda? We know they do. That we've. I was going to say propaganda, but, but maybe <laughs> as a to kind of foreshadow what they're going to do to us in the future. Oh, absolutely. We know that too. Uh, just like a propaganda, they do that so that uh, it comes out and it's considered imagination. Oh, this fairy tale is never going to happen or this nightmare is never going to happen. It's just in a movie. And then before long, it's been in so many movies, it's no longer a nightmare. And then you just welcome it into your life through the government. All right. So, um, I don't know exactly how things end in the 12 monkeys. I mean, at the end you do see one of the scientists on board sitting in first class next to the, uh, boy to the antagonist. Yeah. With the box, uh, with the box. And, uh, she says that she is in insurance. She's the insurance policy to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. To make sure it's, it, they stop it or grab the, uh, peer strain. So it kind of ends on a hopeful note that they'll be able to figure out how to create a antidote for the uh, for the uh, for that virus that was released. Um, how do you see things turning out in real life? Oh man, uh, you know it's interesting. Uh, do you see us heading underground? Golly, I hope not. Uh, but if we ever went nuclear, yeah, we'd have to. Um, I don't see us necessarily heading underground, but I do see a continued political fight of what is really insane to me is the ability to have and use rights and not have them taken away. I have the, the current legal battles going on with OSHA and COVID and everything else are interesting to me because it really comes down to day one where we ask ourselves, okay, so you have a choice. You can go get vaccinated or not. And then all of a sudden that's not a choice. But the real question is still the same question I always asked. Why, if you were vaccinated, are you worried about someone who's not vaccinated getting vaccinated because you've already been vaccinated and that's supposed to protect you? So what are you worried about? It's a good question to ask. And it's just kind of weird how even the CDC uh, changed the definition of what a, what a um, uh, vaccine is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's a flu that, shot now. It's no longer a vaccine. <laughs> and uh, now you have to also get boosters, or before you never had to do that with uh, with previous vac vaccines. Usually, um, 
It's another curious case here to, to kind of notate with vaccines. Like when we were kids, uh, we didn't have to take nearly as many vaccine shots as uh, that was twenty today. years ago. By the way, we were kids twenty years ago. <laughs> uh, and then even like maybe like our grandparents or even our great grandparents, they had to take even less vaccine shots than we did. And the funny part is, as vaccines increase over time, so has autism. Um, and yet, if you go look at like C the CDC or some other places, they'll say that autism has nothing to do with vaccines. But when you look at the data, it's hard to say like more vaccines, more autism, less vaccines, less autism. I know I'm making it pretty simple here, but uh, you know, I guess if you want one wants to really go deep diving into the numbers, they can find other things, but. The other thing that people don't really realize when it comes to some of these vaccines, though, is not only has vaccines come into play, but hygiene has also increased uh, over the time. The same with nutrition. So back when, you know, like in the 1800s, if you look at hygiene over the population um, and uh, nutrition, it wasn't quite as well as it is today. So as nutrition and hygiene has increased would that not also probably lower diseases i very very possible uh you know it comes down to that same thing though where you've got somebody who used to always go play and eat dirt as a kid and then you have his kids and now they never get to uh, go play in or eat dirt and instead they're washing their hands every day with antibiotic soap uh, what about letting the little germs in so you can build your immunity? Uh, I think that to me is, is the bigger piece. It's not so much about vaccines or time or anything else. Uh, for me, it really just comes down to rights. It's uh, whether I choose one thing or another, if it's a right, if it is a constitutional right, please don't take it away. <laughs> please don't take it away. That's all I can ask right now. Uh, you know, Biden's got another two years. Maybe in two years I can ask again <laughs> a different response. But please don't take away my rights. That's all I'm asking. Well, you know, they say freedom isn't free. You have to fight for it. So <laughs> um, I, I do think it's an interesting topic. And I really don't want us to say, uh, you know, start stepping on too many more landmines. I know we probably... <laughs> <laughs> if we get strikes from YouTube as our, as our first warning, this might be it, um, which hopefully it won't be. Hopefully we stay clear enough of the do not talk about. But any case, uh, I think overall, I think uh, if you haven't seen 12 Monkeys, you should probably watch it. Yeah, I mean, it does bring up some questions about, um, about time travel, whether or not uh, how one's mind can handle time travel. Another question, a lot of times when you start watching TV shows or movies about time travel, they said that uh, you cannot be in the same area at the same time. But uh, how does that really work if you have an older self versus a younger self and you won't recognize yourself really? Um, does that still cause some kind of paradox to happen? Um, you know, uh, is it even time travel even possible? I think in theory it's possible, but uh, has it really been discovered yet? Um it's possible. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think it's absolutely possible. I think it has uh, not only been deemed possible, but it's happened. 
I don't think you get so many multi-billionaires uh, in such a short period of time unless some people have abused some power. Like, oh, never heard of this guy a year ago. Now he's a billionaire. Cool. <laughs> well, there is the, uh, there is supposedly a documentary of like how the Russia had already discovered uh, time travel. Uh, the- supposedly it's on Amazon Prime. I haven't seen the movie or the documentary, but it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be interesting. Um, if I can find the name of it, I'll drop it in the comments. Drop it in the box. Uh, I guess uh, anything else, uh, I'll just say just uh, just pay attention to yeah, watch the movie, pay attention, see what give us your thoughts about like if it, if you think it correlates to what we're seeing today and any kind of similarities or not. Um, that's why I, I guess that's all I'll really share about it do you have anything else you want to add uh no enjoy the movie it is a pretty interesting role for brad pitt another interesting role uh for bruce willis madeline stowe i mean she does well i don't think she stands out like the other two but those two do just a, a great job, uh, I think, in many of their roles. So entertainment value, it's a good movie to watch at least once. Enjoy it. Uh, don't take it too seriously, but, you know, learn from things. That's the point. Uh, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Very true. Very true. All right. Uh, well, that uh, we'll just say that concludes our, uh, our discussion tonight for our Smart Challenge. Absolutely. All right, so what's our next week's Smarter Challenge? All right, next week's Smarter Challenge. uh, A little bit of a step away from 12 Monkeys. We are going to enjoy watching a little bit of the Matthew McConaughey in the movie Interstellar and really talk more about energy and uh, the potential of the fact that it's not created or destroyed and time travel once again. All right, interesting. Space I've never seen time. the movie. I'm looking forward to it. It is good. We'll also enjoy a Glenn Farkless scotch. We haven't decided which one yet, but we will be drinking a Glenn Farkless, uh, most likely the 12, a, a royal blue canister. Nice. All right. Uh, anything you want to say to the peeps as we close up? Uh, please continue to give feedback. We like and enjoy using it. Uh, let us know what you do and don't want to see. And remember, uh, do not drink and drive. Life is great. All right. Uh, I'll say uh, once again, as Jesse mentioned, thank you for for your support. Please uh, drop some comments uh, down below. We like to hear what your thoughts are about this topic, about what we talked about. Um, as long as we don't get striked from uh, YouTube, <laughs> hopefully uh, we stayed on the right side of everything to do that. Uh, also, um, right side, right side, or your right side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also. Uh, uh, we are. Uh, if you are listening to us, we're here, then you're probably hearing us on Podbean or Spotify, uh, Google uh, Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, or Audible Podcasts. If you're watching us, we're usually on YouTube. Oh, and the one shout out I forgot to mention is uh, I want to say I want to give a shout out to our one Rumble viewer. Uh, we are also on we're Rumble. Listener. <laughs> we are also on Rumble, but only one purchase, only one person watches us on Rumble. So whoever you are, thank you. You're a stud. Uh, or studette. Or studette if you're, yeah, if you're a woman. Uh, so thank you very much for watching us on Rumble. Uh, we do greatly appreciate that as well. And 
if you like our show, please uh, become a patron. You can become a patron for as low as uh, $1 a month. And uh, I'll just finish up one last thing here since this is coming out. New Year's, uh, uh, the week of New Year's. Uh, Happy New Year's, everybody. And we'll see you in 2022. Yeah. uh, With the same scotch time, same scotch hour. All right. Life is great. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.